It's that time again. It's ASGCA Insights, the official podcast of the American Society of Golf Course Architects. And now, from our studios in beautiful Brookfield, Wisconsin, it's your host, Mark Whitney. Welcome to ASGCA Insights. My guest today is Jeff Morgan. Jeff has spent the past six years as president and chief executive officer of the Club Management Association of America. Prior to that, he held a similar role with the National Investor Relations Institute, and Jeff has also held senior positions with associations focusing on global derivatives and property and casualty insurance. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Mark, it's great to be with you. Thanks for the invitation. Jeff, I wanted to be very careful during the introduction because a couple of years ago, CMAA made a subtle name change. Uh, After 90 years, the Club Managers Association of America became the Club Management Association of America. So, Jeff, as I ask you to to tell our audience a bit about CMAA, perhaps you can start by telling us why this change was so important, not just to the organization, but also to your members as well. Well, um, I appreciate you pronouncing the name correctly, and I was listening intently when you introduced me to make sure you got (laughs) it right. Um, So... I have been with CMA for five to six years, and uh, I was brought in to to sort of look at the organization and make sure the organization was was evolving in a path that was um, on parallel with how clubs were adapting. And what we've seen over the the last decade, decade and a half, is clubs have been evolving. And really, clubs have been evolving over the past 90 years of CMA's existence, but over the past decade, we've seen clubs get a lot more sophisticated um, in in having positions in the clubs that are, are communications professionals and membership marketing professionals and true CFOs and um, just the quality of, of leadership and management among the professional staff um, has grown. So CMA felt that uh, there was really a need to become an umbrella professional association for um, not only the the GMs or the club managers, and even they're evolving into becoming more CEOs and um, you know, and, and that path. So we changed our name um, to the Club Management Association, and that was to not only help those um, developing professions within uh, clubs, it was also, um, as we had begun to evolve as well over the past five years, we were doing more research and doing more things that could get in the boardroom. And so we wanted to, to be seen um, within the industry and certainly mostly by the boards of clubs as the, the keeper of good information for clubs and club management and how best to run your club. So as the Club Managers Association, it sounded very much focused on just the club managers. But by being the Club Management Association, it really broadened that focus to be the focus on the best practices of club management, which includes how you operate the club, but it also includes how you govern the club and all the various aspects of the club. So we are still a professional association, still focused on on club professionals, but uh, with a little bit broader scope. And that has served us well since our name changed. And certainly during this COVID um, pandemic, we've been focused a lot on all the things of, of operational aspects of clubs, and um, so it, it, it's been a it's it's been a good 
a good thing to change our name and was something that the members had talked about for a couple decades and uh, you know the, the time hit and we changed it and away we go. It's interesting, one of the first words you used in, in talking about that was, was evolution. And uh, that certainly seems to, to be what, what it sounds like, that uh, the association that your office and association has sort of evolved along with, with your members and not just the role of your members, but then what your members actually need from, from you at the national level, isn't it? Absolutely. And I mean, part of this other change at the same time was... Uh, you know, when we decided to change the name, we also wanted alignment. CMA, a national association, so I'm the national CEO, has 40-some state chapters or uh, chapters that are geographically represented, as many organizations do. And we had, over the 90-plus years of CMA's history, we, we had all developed our own individual identity. So we all came around that new CMA Club Management Association logo and all our chapters also carried that that same logo. And so that rebranding um, of CMA has helped us continue down that path, not only at a national level, but also at a chapter level to really help broaden, broaden our focus. My guest is Jeff Morgan from the Club Management Association of America. Jeff, in the, in the challenging times that we are still facing and hopefully just beginning to get through or work our way through, uh, CMAA members who operate golf facilities have been in the spotlight a little bit more thanks to the benefits that, that the game affords, the, the natural social distancing, the, the fact that players are using their own equipment, that type of thing. So what have you been hearing from clubs that were able to either keep their golf facilities open these past couple of months or those who have begun to reopen here in recent weeks? Well, we've been tracking um, and working with our members alongside our members with resources as well as with the industry. This is a time that the golf industry uh, really came together. Um, we have a, a We Are Golf umbrella that CMA serves on, on in one of the, the national leadership positions, but we really came together as an industry. And um, I was very pleased to see that that golf was largely kept open in about half of our facilities. And you know, our focuses are on those member-owned clubs or private facilities, as many people often say. And, you know, at this point, we're uh, almost back at 100% of facilities being open. So from a golf standpoint, and, you know, through that, uh, that journey, you know, all of us in the golf industry said, well, what are the best practices to, to ensure social distancing was, was in play or physical distancing was in play? So, um, you know, to make sure that, you know, how do we best use golf carts and, do we take ball washers out and, you know, how do we address uh, the safety around the, the cups? And so, you know, we continue on that path. And, um, you know, I would say that golf, uh, you've probably seen a bit of a resurgence right now during COVID um, for a couple reasons. One, our people are, are staying home. Um, so therefore they're, they're, wanting uh, exercise and leveraging that with golf courses and using golf courses much more. And I think there's a lot of people that um, maybe had tried golf and are retrying it or folks new coming into the, the game. So our facilities and our golf courses are very, very busy right now, which is, which is very positive. And we've seen um, in, in our club somewhat of a, 
uh, I'll say a V-shaped recovery in the sense that we closed down very quickly um, and are coming back very quickly. And um, at this point, you know, day by day, each state or locality comes up with a new um, opening allowances. And so, you know, our clubs, you know, are, have a very positive outlook um, for the future. And, you know, I think when, it, when you look at hospitality um, and how clubs have fared and golf courses have fared, we've fared very well during this COVID crisis. And it's interesting that, that you mentioned that that V-shaped recovery. That was a, a phrase that was used quite a bit in, in late March. Uh, it's not something that we've seen uh, nationwide talked about as much of late. Uh, but the things that you're referencing within within the club industry uh, that you think of in terms of food and beverage and uh, uh, the people not able to, uh, to to dine in, that type of thing, uh, there are all sorts of uh, of uh, for lack of a better term, money-making opportunities for clubs that they weren't able to engage in with their with their uh, with their members uh, over the past couple of months. That that is starting to come back. You're absolutely correct, and uh, I, I know we're we're trying to stay and be golf focused, but certainly uh, clubs were were very nimble in uh, moving quickly to to take out dining. And in some clubs, actually, their food and beverage increased because of, of takeout. Um, but that takeout dining quickly expanded into how do we serve the members? And, um, you know, we were selling uh, or providing our members toilet paper and um, all sorts of things that they were unable to get. Um, and even whole meat, you know, um, meat and other things, cheese and bread. And, um, you know, it was just pretty cool to see, you know, the club community come together um, for really what their purpose is, and their purpose is members join clubs to be part of a community and to to get something that's uh, uh, very special, um, you know, for them and their families. And the clubs responded by really being an integral part of the the, the bulwark of how that family um, and those members were going to get through uh, the COVID crisis. And you know, the, the membership is very strong at this point in our clubs because of it. And you mentioned earlier the, the the work that's done with with We Are Golf and ASGCA is a, is, mm -hmm. is a proud partner in, in that uh, uh, consortium of uh, of industry partners. Uh, the Back to Golf program that was recently announced, uh, but you're also strongly involved in the work that takes place in the halls of Congress in Washington, uh, particularly when it comes to to support of of, of individual workers uh, at the club level and throughout the golf industry. What how important has that engagement been, and what's it been like for you? So a lot of our focus on advocacy is grassroots focus. Um, you know, with the, the 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 breadth of membership that we have, and with so much moving, um, you know, the Congress has been a a bit um, in the mud for the past decade, and so a lot of of evolution as it relates to legislation and clubs has really moved down into state levels. So we've helped um, with our grassroots efforts by mobilizing um, our clubs on uh, various state issues. Um, New York is, is one that we've been very successful with. At a federal level, during the COVID crisis, clubs were let, left off of some of the funding related to um, loans and, and that type of thing. And so we had a grassroots campaign that 
um, leveraged not only our members, but also members of clubs. And we sent 17,000 letters to Congress saying, hey, don't forget about us. So the beauty in, at CMA is um, not so much knocking on doors in Congress, but being able to leverage the voice of the members um, to amplify that, whether it be at a national level or a state level. And um, you know, when you look at politics, politicians like to hear from their constituency, not from lobbyists. Um, and that constituency is something that we can bring to the table and um, has been very active over the past couple of years. I think sort of the, the unspoken word from our conversation here is is relationships. Uh, you referenced the relationship that uh, you have with your the, with your forty uh, 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 member associations. Uh, I believe you've got the, the upwards of, of sixty eight hundred individual members out there. Uh, the relationships with elected officials as well. Uh, from a golf standpoint, there's also the the relationship that uh, that your golf clubs and facilities that offer golf have with uh, with architects uh, along the way. Uh, those relationships uh, continue to to be strong, and and especially in challenging times, it's there's value in in, in clubs and architects working together and starting to think uh, not just today but for long term as well. Oh, absolutely, and I think over the 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 past decade, I mean, you know, while building of of new clubs, you know, has there's been some many clubs have come back and looked at their golf course and how do we develop um, more short game options? How do we uh, help our members who have a time crunch and may not have four to five hours to play golf, look at the golf course and um, say, what options do we have to create an environment that, um, you know, we can move some things around or make some changes to, to create um, not only a, a four or five hour game, but also a one or two hour area for practice. And I think that, um, you know, to credit to your members, um, the architects and those, um, that that have that that deep understanding of golf at that level, they can help our members who at the facility level want to make changes but aren't necessarily um, don't have that skill set of knowing what changes need to be made. So we've, you know, our members have done uh, or the facilities or the clubs have made a lot of investment in golf that has been very positive for the for the experience because it really is all about experience. Um, for our members, you know, from practice facilities to changes in driving ranges to executive courses to more short game options and on and on and on. So having come through uh, a most unique spring that, uh, that none of us anticipated, uh, you strike me as a fairly upbeat, optimistic uh, young man right now, Jeff. Well, I am optimistic. I, I think um, for a couple reasons. One is um, our members are feeling largely positive. Um, when we look at data out there, almost 80% of our members are saying 2021 is going to be a good year. So they have a positive outlook. Um, when we look at, you know, one of the, the big challenges pre-COVID was um, getting quality people hired um, into clubs. And when we look at the the hospitality industry, hotels closed and restaurants closed and other hospitality venues closed. Um, clubs did um, cut back, but to a large degree, clubs took very good care of their employees um, and made them whole. And in many, um, in many, in many cases for clubs, the dues that were coming into clubs during the time when the club was had limited capacity was going to 
to continue to make those employees whole. So I think um, when young people and others are coming back into the, the, the work environment looking for great jobs, clubs will be at the top of them um, for hospitality people. So I think that is a positive. I, I think that um, people's time in, in, during COVID, I think you've realized time is something that's much more important to me. How I spend my life is much more important to me. I don't like to be in quarantine. So I think what clubs offer is this um, community uh, of friends that create a very tight-knit social network and you have a great time um, in your club, whether it is playing golf or doing other social activities or physical activities. So I think that members and non-members who may be looking at a club are going to see the value proposition for clubs be much higher than maybe pre-COVID. And so I am very optimistic because I think clubs sit in a very unique spot that um, caters to our physical wellness, our mental wellness, our social wellness, and, and really uh, can allow us to have a lot better quality of life um, by being a part of a club. My guest has been Jeff Morgan of the Club Management Association of America. Jeff, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it and appreciate all that you and your organization does as well. And that wraps up this edition of ASGCA Insights. I'm Mark Whitney. Remember, you can subscribe to ASGCA Insights via Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, and also find past episodes at ASGCA.org. Thank you for listening, and until next time, so long.